Hi, welcome to the Dan Bradbury podcast where turnover is vanity, profit is sanity, and cash is king. In this podcast, I'll bring you resources, tips, interviews, and lots more to help to grow your business and make it less dependent on you. Building your business on slave labor. Why driving revenue can have an adverse effect on your profits and your time. Like many business owners, Thomas was working 12-hour days. Add to that a two-hour commute each day, and Thomas was looking down the barrel of an 80-plus-hour working week. He'd worked hard for the previous 18 months to get his business, which was a small gym and personal training studio in Warwickshire, off the ground. But the business was only able to pay him approximately £1,500 per month, and even that was inconsistent. It couldn't afford to pay him at all. Some months it could pay him on time, other months he'd have to wait. An 80-hour week is approximately 4,000 hours per year. £1,500 per month is £18,000 a year. £18,000 divided by 4,000 hours equals just £4.50 per hour. Thomas was making significantly less than the minimum wage. Even the 18-year-old girl on reception was making more than the owner of the company. Thomas had invested all of his savings to refurb the premises and kit out the gym in order to open. He had zero cash reserves. What's even sadder is Thomas's story is not uncommon. I hear stories like this most weeks. And at certain times, it's appropriate. The nature of the entrepreneur is being willing to take risks and make investments that will hopefully reward you more later. The fact is, there are only two kinds of targets, money targets and time targets. What most don't recognize is how you manage the time targets. In other words, what specific activities you do in what specific timeframes dictates whether or not you hit the money targets. Let me explain what I mean. Most business owners fail in two key areas. Number one, failure to correctly identify the right activities or strategies to execute that will give them the biggest bang for buck. Simply put, they waste time doing things that are very low or zero value activities, like the endless hours of customer research on Facebook. Number two, even if they correctly identify the activities required, they fail to properly execute. They go to a seminar, pick up a great idea and commit to execute it, only to go back to the office and get caught up in whatever crisis ensued shortly after they walked out of the door the previous week. The seminar workbook gets filed in the never-to-be-opened-again section of the bookshelf despite every intention to do so. I often meet well-intentioned business owners who have multiple companies. The problem is none of the companies are any good. They seem to operate on the logic that if one company produces £20,000 of profit, then having five companies will produce the £100,000 of profit they are looking for. This is a bit like saying, with a family of two children, I can only find the time to exercise an hour a week. So if I have two more children, I'll be able to exercise for two hours uh, or more per week. The owner has fallen in love with the idea of their business and consequently ends up tolerating inadequate execution, whether it be poor employee performance or just letting themselves off the hook. In Thomas's case, it was both. Every week, he would set his team four new member targets, and every week his team would fail to hit it. But by consistently tolerating the barrage of excuses for non-performance, Thomas was effectively endorsing their behavior. You get what you tolerate. When it came to his own performance, Thomas would intend to get various marketing projects executed each week that would surely drive floods of new prospects into the gym. 
that every week he would fail to complete the tasks. But, he would explain, I had to clean the gym because my team screwed it up and it needs to be done properly or the clients wouldn't complain, etc., etc. You get what you tolerate. By there not being any consequence uh, for either himself or to the team for non-performance, he was effectively saying to the team, don't worry about cleaning the gym properly as they were required to do daily. I'll do it for you. And so he stayed stuck in a vicious cycle. You can shout, you can scream at your team all you want, unless you set clear targets and the consequences for both succeeding and failing, the carrots and the stick. Your team will learn that your bark is worse than your bite. Say only what you mean and then execute accordingly. That way you can develop the culture of a high performance team committed to a certain standard rather than just aiming for goals. The problem with goals being that most people's inherent reference for goal setting is that you set a big goal and more often than not, you don't hit it. Subconsciously making it okay not to perform. The key question is, what is the root cause of this problem? In Thomas's case, he concluded there were two. Firstly, he had to make a tough decision and let one of the team go. This particular team member was always complaining and always had an excuse for everything he failed to do. And that attitude was poisoning the other team members. Secondly, and perhaps more critically, he recognized the company was too hungry to eat. Said differently, Thomas had become so desperate to drive revenue in an attempt to boost profits, he was grossly undercharging for his services. Consequently, his margins were so tight, he had to keep driving more revenue just to keep the business afloat. Subsequently, he was overworked and underpaid. But how do you break the cycle? Thomas wrongly felt that it would be impossible to raise his prices because his competitors were all charging similar rates and therefore he'd lose customers. He felt the market was a problem, but in reality, it was his marketing. There is a big difference between ability to pay and desire to pay. A good salesperson can make almost anybody desire a particular product, but it doesn't mean they can afford to pay for it. There's an awful lot of people who want to have a Ferrari, but very few people have the ability to pay for one. If you're in the business of selling expensive Italian sports cars, your business success depends on your ability to find people who meet both criteria. Not all customers are created equal. The Pareto principle applies. The top 20% of customers usually account for 80% plus of the sales and even more of the profit. Equally, the poor quality customers typically account for 80% of your headaches. In a real twist of fate, the marketing that attracts the typical customer often repels the best ones. Either your customers choose you or you choose your customers. So how do you position yourself in a way that attracts the best quality customers? I'm generally against using Groupon and similar sites as lead generation. When various mastermind members of mine have gone against the advice and tested getting customers via a coupon or a Groupon campaign, invariably their results have proved that a customer that comes via Groupon or a similar site has a much lower lifetime value than normal. And for every pound that comes off the top line revenue, a pound also drops off the bottom line profit. It's not uncommon for a 50% or more price reduction, uh, which eats through all the profit you were going to make on those customers. But it's a lost leader, the Groupon Brigade will cry. We make profit on the repeat purchases without any real thought or proper measurement of how it stacks up. If you attract someone on the basis of getting a 75% discount on the first purchase, 
What's the likelihood they will be happy to pay full price for repeat purchases? More customers is not always better. In Thomas's case, he increased the prices for his personal trainers from £40 to £65 per session. The number of customers did decrease slightly, but it was more than made up for in gross profits. He actually increased his bottom line with less work. Better yet, the higher price paying customers have proven over time to be more loyal, stick for longer, and refer more people. The end result, Thomas Business went from £80,000 revenue a few years ago to £160,000 last year. And this year, prior to uh, the COVID shutdown, he was on a run rate to track almost quarter of a million pounds. Simultaneously, he went from a small loss a few years ago to approximately a £90,000 profit. Oh, and perhaps most critically, his hours decreased from 80 to 40 to 45 per week. 45 hour week is approximately 2,250 hours per year. £90,000 profit a year divided by 2,000 hours equals £40 per hour. An 800% pay rise. How do you attract buyers happy to pay premium prices in your business? Or for that, you'll have to look out for a future episode. I hope you enjoyed that episode. Three things you need to do now. Number one, make sure you subscribe to this podcast so you do not miss an episode. Also, get on over to Amazon to get a copy of my latest book, Turnover is Vanity, Profit is Sanity, Nine and a Half Steps to Improving Your Profits and Cash Flow. Also, join our Facebook group, the Turnover is Vanity, Profit is Sanity community to connect with other business owners.